This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Verses 15 and 16, please. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Let's see how I can do this in 20, 25 minutes and then pray. Shall we read together? One, two, go, please, everybody. For we have not... Okay, let's, let's wait for one another. Are we ready? All right, sweetie. please, let's read... Please, can, I, can we have the New King James Version? Um, still, or you don't, all right. Let's go one to go. For, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hallelujah. Verse 16. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We'll take it one more time, verse 15. Let's start, please. One, two, let's read it meaningfully this time. One, two, go. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hallelujah. Title of the message is Emboldened by Grace. Emboldened by Grace. By nature, whether you want to admit it or not, human beings are timid. By nature, we are timid. We, when you even see people that are doing a lot of bluster and a lot of bravado and all the rest of that, deep within every human being, there's a sense of timidity and fear that we carry. And that unfortunately started in the Garden of Eden. When the first father and mother sinned and we inherited that nature, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, and we use that as one of the foundations of what we're going to discuss this afternoon. Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? I'm tempted seriously to preach on where are you, but let's go on and just use what I need for this afternoon. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and read the next part of the passage for me. One to go. And I was, say it one more time. That was the first time the word fear appeared in the Bible. And since then, fear has been dominating the life of human beings. It was introduced in the Garden of Eden. Fear because of nakedness. Nakedness that I don't have the necessary cover that I need. Nakedness in my finance. Nakedness in my health. Nakedness of sin. Nakedness. Things that you don't want people to see. It is nakedness that keeps us away from standing outside there. It's nakedness that is the commonest reason for our fear. If they discover, if they know, if they know my background, if they know, you know, that I don't have this, I don't have that. Nakedness, something to hide, something not to be seen. It's a major restriction on human being. And the devil uses it a lot to bind people. 
And unless you're able to rise above that and kill that fear of nakedness and run unto Jesus and let him cover you as God did for them in the Garden of Eden, one will never be able to achieve what God has proposed for their lives. Do you know, I believe with all my heart, that fear is so gripping that when we are born, we are born with only two fears. That's what the anthropologists tell us. Every, every child that is born is born with only two fears. Fear number one, fear of falling from a height. If you take a child and you drop a child, what would the child do? Nobody taught the child. If it's a day old, if it's a two-day-old, and that's what's called the writing reflex that we kick into place, the child will try and protect himself or herself in such a way that he will not bang the head. Who taught the child? We are born with that. Fear number two, fear of a loud sound. If you carry a newborn baby and you clap your hands, suddenly the child will jump. But by the first age or the first anniversary of that child, the child will develop close to another 20, 30 fears. By five years, the fears are becoming completely irrational. And fear is, and by the time it becomes you and I, fear that X, Y, Z will happen. Things that will never happen. I used to have the fear that I will never board an aeroplane. Because I tried traveling abroad once. I was qualified. I did everything. The first time I wanted to travel, my brother was doing his master's in Strathclyde University. I bought my Lufthansa ticket. I was supposed to just walk to the airport and go. I got bans. Sorry, I, I was refused. Sorry. <laughs> the second time, I was also to go. I have an opportunity to travel abroad. And, um, you know, it was the same. My brother that was, he was in the U.S. at that time. I bought another ticket again. I never got to use it. I applied many times. And I had that fear that I will never leave my country of birth. I don't know where the fear came from. It seems to me. Now, my problem now is that I fear that I may never go back there. <laughs> all irrational fears that we all carry all the time. And the message of the Lord for you today can be broken. It shall be broken. It does not need to remain. We don't need to feel that you know, that particular circumstance will remain the way it is. It can change. I was going to give you a long list of the kind of fear that people go through. But let me move on very quickly. You can fill in the blanks yourself. But there's a, there was a switch somewhere. There was something that turned around somewhere along the line as we are going by. When we come to know Jesus, Jesus has got the capacity to turn away all those fearful feelings and those lack of boldness. By his grace, he has got the capacity to turn them around for us. And that is what we want to talk about this afternoon. Hallelujah. And he will turn it around for you and I in Jesus' name. But may I also warn you as well that the complete fearless state will not be attained, but can only be contained until we obtain the new resurrection body. What is it again? I can assure you by the word of the Lord that the complete fearless state will not be attained but can only be contained until we obtained the resurrection body. That is to say, no matter how hard you try, Paul the apostle said, I come to you with fear, and... but he overcame that fear. 
So we will never be fearless. We will never get to a point in which we just rush into everything until, but you can contain your fear. Boldness can replace it. Capacity to go forward can be the place of it. Oh, brethren, I can tell you a long list of many other fears that I've had through the years. Anytime I even step out of witness, it's not my comfort area. But I propose in my heart that I will overcome it. I've knocked on doors in this city that years back that I never imagined I could. I've gone alone into places in this city, dangerous area, sitting area, every tower block there, walking up and down. When it got to a state, fear disappeared altogether. Because God has given us the ability to contain such fears. Yours will be contained as well. Boldness will replace your fear as well. So I will talk to you about the emboldening by the grace of God. I'm going to talk to to you about boldness today. Hallelujah. And what is boldness? Is the courage to act or speak fearlessly despite real or imagined danger. I repeat that. Boldness is the courage to act or speak fearlessly despite real or imagined danger. When a person acts boldly, the person is despising the risk. A bold person does not act because there's no risk or does not act because he or she believes there's no risk. The person acts because or in spite of the risk. The risk of shame, the risk of rejection, the risk of everything. You still step out. So I keep quickly give you eight cardinal points of boldness. And talking about this issue of boldness as the cardinal thing, when the Bible tells us in the text that Jesus Christ, our Lord, was tempted like everyone, I believe the greatest temptation he faced of all was the temptation to fear. You agree with me? Where was that? In Gethsemane. In Gethsemane. That was the only time there was him, any human chink in the harbor of the Lord that we saw. I said, Lord, you... That was the only thing that was going to stop him. It was fair. I mean, at every other stage, we never saw any chink in the armor. He was a perfect man to do that. And when you still read the guest man experience, you say, I love you. But you know what you came for. But the number one enemy of human being almost caught him there. And the devil was using the same thing again when he tempted him. Also, and the wilderness. And those three points were about suggesting unto him that he may not get what he came for. All about. So we talk about eight cardinal points. There can be more, but these are the ones that I identify. And I pray today a new surge of boldness will come upon our lives. Uh, before, it's, it's out of the eight points. And because when I was preparing for this, I said, Lord, I want you to just speak to your people freely. We are on a journey. You are going somewhere. Tell yourself, I'm going somewhere. You're going somewhere. You know, sometimes when we are going through this journey of life, we we, we, we get to points as if, you know, the plan and purpose of God can easily be trusted in our lives. I'm reaching one point in my life that I believe that God has the authority and power when I handed my life over to him. That nothing that is against his, his planned purpose for my life, anything outside this will not happen to me. I, I, and this has to be something personal. I, I can preach from now to tomorrow. You will have your own mindset. You may have your own way. You may have your own way around this way. I believe with all my heart that somehow God will use because I'm his child. And that is the burden that makes me to go to him. 
boldness that makes me to go to him, that when I've just finished disobeying him, when he said I should preach, I didn't preach, when he said I should not think, I, should, I thought, when he said I should not speak, I spoke, when he said I should, whatever I should not do, I have that confidence, he has the ability to turn it around. If you don't, you won't finish this race. And it's personal. And I'm talking to you, really from the bottom of my heart. You need to be sure, that is what a child does. How many of your children, after they have messed up, and all children have messed up, as you messed up yourself, and don't start looking like me, as you messed up. Then when you go back to your parents, you go back, they don't embrace you. Unless they are not really your biological parents. They will embrace you. How many of your children, you have power to deliver them from their trouble, and you don't deliver them? And you know, many of the things we are not getting is because many at times we don't have that confidence in the Lord that this problem will not kill me. That I won't die in it. And it's personal. It's you just have to believe it yourself. Nobody can teach you. You need to sit down, sit down, cross your leg. Don't even kneel down praying. Don't, don't lie down. Just cross your leg. I say, oh, Lord, where are you? Because I'm yours. I'm, I'm stopped wondering. I'm stopped worrying. Unless you are not my father. You know whether to share this with you. You have a family WhatsApp. <laughs> my wife is doing like this. <laughs> Say what now? <laughs> I'll be gracious. And we were having a conversation over the past week. <clears throat> Dami met somebody somewhere. So somebody, some of you know what I'm talking about. She met somebody, he met somebody somewhere, one of our old friends from the university days or whatever. And so that person said, ah, you have been me, and the rest of that was talking. So I just sent, you know, a test. I said, well, tell the man that your, your dad, your father, your dad, ask you to greet him. So when I, because I talk in a third person singular, he then said, maybe a smiley face, your dad? I said, me, your dad. <laughs> ah, I had a smiley face. Now, what am I driving at? There's something about every child, especially as we are getting to be adults, when we connect, we know it is the truth. When we connect at that personal level, there, there is a depth of relationship between us. You better connect with God on that level. If you don't, it will be very difficult to make it all the way through. Will God help you? Will God help me? He will help us. And he will take us there in Jesus' name. So eight cardinal points of boldness. Number one, and I need to rush through this now. Winners in life are not necessarily the capable, but the courageous. Winners in life are not necessarily the capable, but the courageous. Courage to step into things that normally you think you should not or will not do. I use another close example. We were at the wedding yesterday. I saw my man dove there. And I was wondering, the many parts that I know this guy is involved with. He's a DJ. <laughs> He's a software engineer. He's writing 
apps and programs. He's an accomplished worship leader, which, I, which is what God created him for primarily. But I would say, how will somebody be able to step out into that? It's not because of extra skill. I don't know where he learned DJ. It's just a matter of stepping out. If you were to depend only on the skill that he has, with all due respect, I know academics, they don't get paid that much. I'm sorry. Unless he's lying unto me that that thing doesn't bring extra cash. It does not. Is that so? A DJ. A, a, is that? <laughs> no, academic. We have, I've just concluded that one now. Because I was considering DJ myself because I have hairs for music. Uh, did you open it? What's wrong with it? That's the problem. That's the problem of boldness. So can Pastor DJ? I, come on. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you guys? You can be DJC. <laughs> there are just things we need to step into, brethren. Sincerely, sincerely, sincerely. I mean, I've seen that. The guy has grown. Term. I mean, there was a time. Do you see me when I did talk about for you? Maybe he didn't, wasn't looking. The, your choice of song. He chose one song like that. It didn't fit so well. And those are the kind. I, I've got some skills in that area. <laughs> Apprentice. Ah. In fact, this has been my week of apprenticeship. When we went for the for the for the tourney, the lady that I followed, I totally told her I was an apprentice, and I was an apprentice. I've signed it for another one. Brethren, it's not the skill, but the courage. But the courage. And believe you me, I'm, I, you might think I'm just joking. Who tells you that what we have just laughed over might not be a handle to bring souls to the kingdom? Might just be a spectacle that some people think they want to come to a church to watch. Their pastor is the DJ. Who tells you? His courage. His ability to put aside all those things that we can't as sacrosanct, those things that we can't, cannot be done. And by the special grace of God, anything lowly as you've noticed me, you've known me. That's why it's good to preach your own church. I don't mind doing anything. There's, nothing, there's even nothing lowly in this world. What do you mean slowly? What's wrong with you? That's nothing I've not done in this nation before I settled into my career. So some of us so have courage. Tell your neighbor, have courage. And you have courage in Jesus' name. Let women be loud and clear. Number two, bluster is not courage. Bluster is not courage. Empty, loud, big speaking without action is the antithesis of boldness. Empty, loud, big speaking without action is the antithesis of boldness. And we have many of them. I just laugh at them. In the political arena, they tell me, I know they are very, very weak, shaky people. They don't, don't you know, talk big. When they are cornered, they are shaking and, you know, they, they can't stand for the truth. They can't, they can't put up their hand. That's a sign of courage and boldness. They, they, they keep hiding here and there and can't even admit to themselves who they are. So that's not where you are. Hallelujah. Number three, boldness is contagious. Boldness is contagious. And if boldness is contagious, what shall you do? No, if boldness is contagious and you are not bold, what shall you do? Hagaran, those that have got the flu. 
and you get the flu. And Garandos have got the cold. That cold is called boldness, and you get the cold. When they sneeze, do the whiff like that and catch it. Don't be afraid to pick the handkerchief they are using. Hold it in your hand. It might look dirty, but I tell you, that's where you can catch it yourself. And there were great men of God in the scriptures that they tapped their boldness from unlikely sources. Let me give you one example. Judges chapter, chapter 7, verses 9 to 10. Will you allow me to extend my time of preaching today? Okay, I've been away for two weeks. It's only right. You give me more time. Is that okay? <laughs> All right. Judges chapter 9. Verse, Judges chapter 7, verse 9. Shall we read together, please? One, two, go. It happened on the same that the Lord, yes, yes, verse 10, please. Mm -hmm. If you are afraid to go down, who should you go with? Uh -uh. If you are afraid. I mean, it should have been, servant, if you are afraid, call your master and he will go, and go with you. Can you see that? We, the Bible didn't tell us anything about Pura, how courageous and bold Pura was. But we knew by just the presence of Kura, Pura stiffened the backbone of Gideon and was able to go. And that means sometimes, brethren, it might be your children that will be your poorer. They say, I can't do it, I can't do it. I can't. And children will say, Dad, come on. Or when you are, they are project, you are not doing it, they started it off. Maybe you will join them quickly. They are your poorer. And you men, men in the house say, Amen. Uh, they will say that now. It might be your wife that will be your poorer. That we say, let's go for it. And sisters in the house say, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Your husband might be your poorer. Let's make sure that we hang around those people that can strengthen us. Hang around those people. Don't be antagonistic to them. Because that will be one of the points I will mention later on. That was what Eliab was doing unto David. When you see somebody that is bolder than you, don't pull them down. Every one of us, we hate to be weakling and fearful. And when it faces you in the face, and you, there you feel threatened that this person is too bold, don't pull them down. Don't worry yourself. Just, okay, let's go for it. And see how you're going to go. And we're going to support you. Hallelujah. How many have we said? What's the first one we said? Yes, and number two, and number three, number four, the bold person will always be master over the timid. The bold person will always be master over the, it is a voluntary surrender. As long as you are timid, as long as in that place of work, you don't stand up spiritually and physically to that oppressor, remember I said spiritually and if you don't stand up to that oppressor, you will continually be the underling there. There are times to stand up and be bold. In Numbers chapter 13, you know the chapter very well, when the children of Israel, the spies, they were saying that we made their giants and we are 
like grasshoppers in our eyes. And so we are in their eyes. Where did they become grasshoppers? We are in their own eyes. I challenge you today. Don't let anybody oppress you for nothing anymore. There is no honor in it. I'm not asking you to be fighting all over the place. You are people of wisdom. You understand what I'm talking about. But take a stand. Be assertive. Be clear. It could come with a lot of fear of repercussion or whatever, but it's better to be clear. It's better to be definite. Don't be bombastic. Don't be abrasive. Don't be difficult. But make sure that you will not remain in a servant relationship to someone because you decide to make yourself a weakling. Disciples in Acts chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, Acts 5, 28 and 29, they said very clearly, he said, judge amongst yourself. Is it better that we should obey man? I mean, that was a very rude way of putting it. It sounds very well in the Bible. You are standing before the court of law because this was the constituted authority in those days. And if it was the San Henry, they were sitting in front, they were practically sitting in front of the panel of the Supreme Court in the land. Because you have gone through the high priest and everything. And then they were standing in front of them and they were telling the judges, and I said, You two, what nonsense are you talking about? Essentially, are you fools? If we weigh both, what made them do that? Boldness. Please make yourself clear. Number five. Boldness is not an abstraction, but factual. It is driven by sound reason. So much in this message that we need to finish it. Boldness is not an abstraction. It is factual, and it is driven by sound reason. No one is bold simply because you are just rushing into danger. Many bold people, or all bold people, they have calculated the risk and they thought that going forward in spite of the risk is the better option. That's the reason. They've calculated. Look at the example of Esther. They sent to Esther. He said, Esther, you better fast. And the uncle warned him. He said, if you think that by staying in the palace that nothing will happen unto you, you are joking. And Esther was not giving an answer. Then later on, Esther came back and said, if I perish, I... She has considered it. She did consider it. She considered that if I don't talk, I will die. If I talk, I may die. What should I do? I will talk. And so that means when you are now putting down your feet and I say, whatever may happen, I'm going forward with this plan. Whatever may happen, I'm stepping into it. I'm fighting for my marriage. I'm fighting for my children. I'm fighting for my career. I'm fighting for my spiritual life. Either way, if you don't do the right thing, danger is still locking anyway. Pay the price for the hard one. It is always factual and not just an abstraction. Remember 2 Kings chapter 7, 2 Kings 7, 3 to 5? 2 Kings 7, 3 to 5? The lepers, you remember them? They said that, look, today is a day of good reports. If we stay here, we, we will die. You remember? But he said, but if we go to the city, we may die. And that is usually the premise of every bold person's decision. If I don't do something, I will. If I do, I may. I may. Number six, 
The bold will always be opposed by the timid because they are threatened by the courage of the bold person. I've managed that before, as I mentioned in passing. And that's why you yourself, when you find yourself antagonizing people, please check yourself. People say they want to go for something big. Sign your word of caution, but please don't be a restraining force for somebody's future. Number seven, boldness cannot be disguised. There are telltale signs. Check if you have them. Boldness cannot be successfully disguised. There are telltale signs. Check if you have those telltale signs of boldness. Ask chapter 4, verse 13. Ask chapter 4, verse 13. Tell somebody, I'm getting bolder. Tell yourself, I'm getting bolder. That's a clear sign that you are not, the way you are saying it. But hopefully before the end of the service, we will get there. Ask chapter 4, verse 13. Read together with me. Where to go? There's a bit of boldness in your voice. Yes. Uh-huh. Shall we take it again with some hope and boldness? Want to go, please? Yes. Mm-hmm. Telling me that boldness can be seen. Boldness can be seen. And so it was there for completion's sake. I mentioned unto you. A few things, maybe under that point, four, that are the telltale signs of a bold person. Number one, they are open. They are open to new ideas. They are open to new actions. Number two, they weigh their options and do not rush to action. Boldness is not, when you see careful people, people have charged me before. I'm a bit slow. I'm not slow. I, I just make sure that when, because it's, if I rush the way you want me to rush, and because my own nature of rushing is that once I put my head, I'm not coming back. And so, um, for you, you can put in your head and bring it back. But me, if once I put my head, I'm prepared that you chop it off. So, with such a tendency, since I like my head to sit on my neck for longer, I take my time. And those that are pushing you, rush, 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 rush into things most of the time, more often than not, they are cowards because they know they just want to test the water and they have no plan of jumping into the water. So if you see yourself, you rush into it, you rush into that. Maybe you need to pray today that God will give you genuine boldness. Genuine boldness goes to a time of you go to hiding, you keep brooding, you keep, you keep, you keep imagining, you keep putting things together because in any moment, you are going to say, I'm going forward, you are going. And there's no coming back. So that's one of the points that shows clearly that one has, because we need to make self-diagnosis. Number three, I said boldness cannot be disguised. What is another sign that tells you of a bold person? They are steady and not frequently swayed. And I mentioned that in the previous description. Number four, finally, they tend to punch above their weight. They tend to punch about their weight. They go for things that normally they are not expected to go for. That was the life of David. Always punching above his weight. You know, saw the lion kill, saw the bear kill, saw a Goliath, went for it, saw a Saul, decided to say, look, Saul, look, I'm going to stay by the truth. I won't kill you. You can chase me. And he stood to that man. He could have just said, King Saul, you know what? I will be your servant. Because the tussle between them, 
Saul told him, I know you're going to be the king. And the boy never denied I was going to be the king. The boy knew he was going to unseat him. He would have just, I don't want to be the king. Just continue to be. And when you die, whenever, whatever. But the boy silently said, that's what God has called me to, and I will be. I won't remove you, myself, but God has anointed me, and I'm going to be there. What that simply tells me was that the man was ready to take a responsibility well beyond what he was called to do. And you might add on to that as number five, that they are assertive without being rude or combative, which I mentioned. Okay, finally, point eight, or the cardinal point, <clears throat> excuse me, of the cardinal point of boldness. Tell yourself, I'm getting bolder. In the name of Jesus. And you will conquer. I say we shall conquer. Do you know some prayers that are praying boldness, they get answered quicker than the ones that are prayed in fear. And they don't need to be long. Those are the prayer kind of prayers on Mount Camel. Those are the kind of prayer of the woman that taught the hem of his garment. And that's why the equipping of today for boldness is the one that will bring miracles. Turnarounds. In the matter of days and weeks. That's why I'm prepared to spend the extra time to make sure that until I find a release in my heart that God has started depositing something in your life. So that without boldness, you just go, just declare. Just declare in your bedroom and say, ah, this matter is solved. And it will be solved. Because you are not speaking from a position of weakness. You are speaking from the position of authority and soundness of judgment. Number eight point. How many points have we mentioned? That's to be seven if I say number eight. So number eight. God is the giver of boldness. Somebody say hallelujah to that one. God is the giver with the capital G of boldness. And he gives it by grace and he gives it by grades. He gives it by grace and he gives it, gives it by grades. Give it by grace and he gives it by grades. He doesn't give the same to everybody. He titrates it. He gives to each person what the person desires or what the person should have for the level that they are. And one of the teachings I had many years back by my pastor back in a city called Ibadan in Nigeria, many, many years that stuck with me, was the classification of boldness. Uh, do, do you believe with me that all good and perfect gift comes from God? Even the one in unbelievers, you believe that? Good. So that makes it easy. So point number one, or the group number one of boldness, is what we call the natural boldness. Some people are naturally bold. God just gives it unto them. They don't know Jesus. They are unbelievers. They, but they are naturally bold. Genuinely bold. Not the plenty of blusters that's around. Genuinely bold. And these are the ones that will, you know, lead riots in schools. You know, when they say, you know, the bread is too dry and we will eat the bread. I was in burning house. They will insist that that bread should not be that dry. And they try to convince us we're not listening, they will organize a riot. That's some degree of boldness. It's assertiveness. Wrong boldness is still boldness. But there are good natural boldness. People that have started companies, they are naturally bold. They refuse to just stay to be employees. All the names that are, I don't like using those names, I'm not endorsing their lifestyle, I'm not endorsing what they do, but all the new 
top techs, the Googles of this world, the Amazons of this world, the Microsoft of this world, the Apples of this world. They are bold guys. Whether you like it or not, it's natural boldness. Who gave them? Who gave them? Who? It's God. Sorry. God gave them. I told you I must communicate, I must pour everything that is here. Eh? Can you sense my passion? God gave them. And if God could give them, will he not give us and give us more? That's where I'm going. So I'm starting from the natural level. It's not a, it's not a gospel speak, this word. It's a God speak. And God speak aspect of it is that that is God. He wants his universe to run, and his universe runs by giving, gifting unto people. Who gave Michael Jackson the voice that he had? God. It's God. Maybe that one is even good. Even those ones that have decided to turn this. Do they still do heavy metal festival on Belmont Street? You don't know. They used to. Uh, uh. When we go out, you remember? Uh. And they could play good music, but the demons have entered. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pure demons. Really not. I mean, you see the guys who know they are carrying demons. But by the grace of God, we still went for the, to go and witness in those places. So it's important that we know that that's one level. Number two level of boldness is what we call Christian boldness. Christian boldness, and that is the one that we all have when we give our life to Christ. Do you know you had that when you gave your life to Christ? Do you know you've manifested that boldness? Where have you manifested it? Okay, good, by stepping out of your life. In fact, that's even profound. I never thought of that. Which other areas did we have manifested Christian boldness when we gave our life to Christ? By telling somebody, yes, not all of us have, but okay, yes. By believing, yes. Eh? Baptism, okay. If you are truly, truly been born again, you must have been persecuted. There's no way. You must have. I don't want to show a show of hand here. That's not, it's not possible. Whether you are born in the Christian home or not, because as soon as you step out, all those teenagers that are in the junior church now, whatever, and they're giving their life to Christ, listen to their story. They get persecuted daily. If they will live godly, if anyone will live godly in Christ Jesus, shall do what? Shall suffer persecution. So which means already, and you are still standing, despite the fact they make fun of you. Despite the fact that you dare mention unto them that you are in church on Sunday and they start, you know, making faces and all, you see standing, or it will be more explicit for others. So which means we have Christian boldness already. Hallelujah. Because my last few points will be based on tapping into what you have already. Tell yourself, I'm getting bolder. Because it's that boldness that we will conquer situations and circumstances. It's by that that we will conquer this city for Jesus. How many have we mentioned in boldness? We said natural boldness, number two. Number three, spirit-giving boldness. When you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, a new level of boldness comes upon you. The apostles, they asked for that, and God gave it unto them. They just became incredibly bold. They just became somebody else. They were... I mean, these were guys that were running when the Lord was killed. Immediately after that, Peter was standing up. 
By the time we got to chapter 4, they said they saw his boldness. You know where it started? As chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Holy Spirit lighted upon them like cloven tongues of fire, and they spoke with new tongues. That's why the more you speak in tongues, genuinely speak in tongues, with your mind present, not knowing what you are saying necessarily, the bolder you get. And so many of us, we just, you know, we had difficult situations to face, spend time speaking tongues. Then finally, supernatural boldness. And this one usually is not resident. It usually comes upon you for a particular work to be done. And Elijah is a typical example of man that has such supernatural boldness. It wasn't resident on him because the story immediately after I told you that his natural default was a careful man, staying away from people, not relational, went to Ahab. You know the rest of the story. And you can have it too. You can find yourself getting to work on Monday and sitting your boss down and telling him, sir, or ma'am, or whatever relationship you have with him, or Jane, or John, or Jasper, say, you know, you are going to hell. Might not say it that bluntly. And man might be taken aback. I said, what did you say? I said, well, I'm challenging you that if you die today, are you certain that you are going to heaven? Because God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Are you certain you are going to heaven? Uh, what do you mean, what do you mean? Well, I've got good news for you. Just share the gospel with him. Everyone has seen and conscious of the glory of God. Wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life. And whosoever shall believe shall be saved. And right there and then, are you interested? It's very simple. And then you, after you've come out, you say, wow, how did I do that? It could be something more daring. It's something more daring like Peter did in chapter 3. Because up to that time, they never actually did any work of miracle. In chapter 2, they were battered the Holy Spirit, and they preached. And then they went to the temple. Hallelujah. And the man spoke. The, he almost picked on the wrong candidate. He said, and they looked at him, and they fixed their eyes on him. And he said, silver and gold, I have none. But what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, do what? Did the man rise up? Did he rise up? What did he do? The man said, today you must rise up. Young demon. That's supernatural boldness. We learned that spirit. We go what had a lot of that. He had some failures. In actual fact, do you know? I don't know why, why I should share this with you. Do you know that despite what God used was to do, do you know the latter end of his life, he had serious health challenges? He battled a lot with kidney stone. That's not to discourage you or to say, and what people say is that the faith you use to minister to others, you will need a different kind of personal faith to receive healing for yourself. That's why you see people that God have used in healing or whatever, some of them are still blind. Some of them are still crippled. Some of them still use glasses. Some of them still have Some of them can't still hear. And yet, you start to hear, if God is God, no, 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 no. Maybe I'm throwing that in as extra. There's a different thing. It's what God is the healer. And I can minister unto you. You receive the miracle. I connect it unto him. But I also need to find a way. Either I get you to pray to me so that I get to the point in which I can connect and receive my healing or I can go to God on my own. But most of these things, they just don't happen. There's a process for them. And so supernatural boldness can come upon anybody to do. This is because what I was on. 
God used him to raise quite a number of dead people. And the Bible and the, and the record says, rather, that sometimes when he goes to the place, he has prayed for them, nothing has happened. What will he do? Anybody remember? He will grab them and stand them against the wall. I said, I said, leave! I know. Some of you are saying, really? Yes. Some of them, they will not leave. But I said, stand and leave! The man will say, I said, stand! I will shake him there. If you're late to make the man happy, even the devil will come back and say, okay, it's enough now. Let me put you out of your misery. Those are supernatural faith. Kenneth Hagin used to do a lot, of, well, did one or two of that we learned, at least I read in his book. That's, and the ones, yeah, I say it. The ones somebody, more like a pretender, decided to be doing that when you haven't got the unction upon you. And I've done a few crazy things myself before. But let me share you, Kenneth Hagin one. A woman came to the meeting, she had a bad tumor, she had a cancer. Some of you have read that story? And then, you know, prayed for the woman. And the Holy Spirit told him, punch the woman. And punch her in the tummy. And the thing deflated that the woman was healed. Of course, you don't go around punching people in tummies. <laughs> you got to get to big trouble. But the thing was that the spiritual faith came upon him and was able to do that. Are you ready to receive your faith now? Are you ready to receive your boldness now, rather? Tell yourself, I'm getting bolder. I'm getting stronger. And I shall possess my possession. Rise on your feet. I think we need to go home now. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. So while we are still on it, I want you to remember that at least you have, if you are born again, you have one category or one type of boldness. Which type do you have? So we will tap into that. Amen? And if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, at least you have two. Which is the second one you have? Spirit-giving boldness. And so, you can tap into that as well. Hallelujah. Don't wait for the supernatural boldness. Hallelujah. It can come, but let's tap into what we have already. One thing I also need to mention is that boldness can be lost. I need to mention that because for completeness sake, the Bible says the righteous they are bold as a lion. So, you can leak boldness. If you are constantly disobeying God, you can leak boldness. If you are constantly hanging around fearful people, you can lose boldness. And the more I obey God, the more I see the manifestation of His power. Sometimes I want to pray, I want to kneel down. God said, Don't kneel down, go and lie on the altar. I lie down. Before I started lying down, God started revealing things unto me. I could choose to have done something different. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. In quick succession, we will pray three prayer points that I believe the Lord laid on our hearts. Tell yourself, I'm getting bolder. I'm not saying I'm bold. I'm getting bolder because you are bold already. So you lift up and say, Father, grant me special boldness today in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voices and pray. Remember that special boldness is what will help you to be able to stand up. Not just to preach the gospel, but to stand up against the vicissitude of your own life, to declare with confidence and say, I will not die in this condition. I will not end in this condition. That is boldness. Something will rise up on the inside of you. I am receiving special boldness from the Father today. 
Grant me special boldness, oh God, to be able to move forward. Cry unto the Lord with so much energy and confidence because that will be the game changer for you and I. When I have that boldness towards God, when I have boldness towards situation and circumstance. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Say, I receive the grace to exercise the boldness that I have and the one I shall receive today in the name of Jesus. I receive the grace to exercise the boldness that I already have and the one that the Lord is adding to me right now. I receive that grace, oh God. Oh, it's a grace. Boldness is a grace. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. Jesus Christ came to defeat as the second and the final Adam. To defeat and to turn around the issue that started with the first Adam. The man that said, I was afraid. And in Christ, there was no fear at all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I receive that grace exercise. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Just to drive it up. Do you know Jesus, our Lord and our dear Savior, the master of grace himself? He said the Lord came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You read that in your Bible, John chapter 1. Do you know that the opposite of fear actually is not, put it this way, the opposite of love is actually not hate. What's the opposite of love? Fear. Fear. The party of fear. That is in first John, wasn't it? He said that what? Perfect love casted out fear. Do you also read in your Bible when Jesus Christ our Lord said that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your, your neighbor as yourself, isn't it? So you have perfect love fighting against fear, isn't it? And he says the number one rule for us is the rule of love, isn't it? And so where there's love of God is and the love of neighbor is, therefore, fear will not be there. And where fear is not there, definitely boldness will be there. That's why we need to walk in love. That might be the next topic for us because that is very, very important. Because people that don't walk in love, they're generally very fearful. And even people that are, people that are fearful, they are generally don't walk in love. You know, people that are bad people is because they are, and, and they, 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 they fear all the time because they don't have love. We're going to pray one prayer, Lord, that life. That the spirit of love will engulf your heart. And we might take that from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Because he contrasted it very neatly for us there as well. What does he say? Read with me. For God has no... Yes. Yes. What is the opposite of fear there? Power. Talk to me. Hallelujah. We read it one more time. I want to go. For God has not given us... Yeah. 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 Turn it to a personal word. For God has not given me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Say it one more time. For God has not given me. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. 
for the third time say it and turn it to your prayer. I want to go for God has not given me Christ, the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sign man. Turn that is your confession for a moment or two. Declare you boldly over yourself. God has not given me. I know it. He's not giving me that spirit of fear, but I have the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That is the spirit in me. I'm not a weakling. I'm not a timid person. I'm not a fearful person. I confront situations and circumstances because the love of God is in me. The power of Christ is in me. And I have a sound mind to make the right decision and right judgment. Call on the name of the Lord right now. That's why you will go forward. You will not be stopped. You will not be hampered. You don't have the spirit of fear. You have the spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' marvelous name we pray. Father, we thank you. We are grateful for your seed of power, of love, and of a sound mind is been deposited in us already. As we live here, we will come back with testimonies of exploits that shall be done through the manifestation of divine boldness in the name of the Lord Jesus. We shall speak with authority and it shall come to pass. We shall speak to situations in boldness and confidence and situations shall yield in the name of the Lord Jesus. Receive that power right now. Exercise that power right now. Manifest that power for all to see in the name of the Lord Jesus. I declare over this house, we are a company and a group of bold people in Christ in the name of the Lord Jesus. Our children shall be bold. Our teenagers shall be bold. Our young men and men and women shall be bold. Our elderly people, every one of us, we shall walk in boldness in the name of the Lord Jesus. The apostles of chapter 4, they said that God will give grant boldness unto your servant that we may preach your word. We pray the same prayer today. Grant us boldness day by day, O Lord, our Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And let your name be glorified in our lives. Thank you, eternal Father. We give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' marvelous name, we have prayed. Hallelujah. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.